How could our names have been written in the wounds of Christ but years before any of us were ever born? How can we say Jesus died for me when he died long before any of us were ever conceived? How can that be? This is one of the great mysteries that we consider when we sing on an afternoon like this. If you've known the Lord for a while, then you know that even the the most common Christian, that God follows him through his life and that God goes before him through his life and her life, just arranging circumstances, arranging special meetings for them and orchestrating all the events of their life. We call it the providence of God. It happens by the sovereignty of God, that God especially arranges the lives of those that he has called to himself wonderful thing and you've experienced it probably yourself it's what i was thinking about this morning when i was thinking about uh, an experience that i had um long ago that was brought back to my mind because a week from today i, I get to go to speak to a convention of uh, people in the state of texas and they sent me the um it's quite a privilege and they sent me the uh uh, uh brochure for the conference and and when i read it it's i kind of looked for my own name you know how that works and where's my name and where do i speak and and then when i saw the session i was speaking at a session to some young people and then um speaking in the the, set, the plenary session and in the session to the young people i want to talk to them about how to tell powerful stories. So I'm looking forward to that. When I saw it on the brochure there, I looked down below my picture was a picture and the name that I recognized from long ago. And I thought, what a, what an interesting thing. I'm speaking just before this missionary hero guy of mine who I haven't seen for years. His name is Don Richardson. So that was something. Don Richardson has written some of the some fascinating missionary books, Peace Child, the story that he wrote about going to Erie and Giant and working with these people and and how he couldn't get the gospel clear to them because when he would he would tell them the story of the gospel, the part they liked the best was the character that they most admired was Judas. Because in their culture, you see, deception was a was kind of a high art. And they would they laughed at Jesus and they they venerated Judas and he was very disappointed. And then they went to warring against each other. The tribes went to warring against each other. He was frustrated and he he would pray God. He would sit with the people for eight or ten hours a day trying to get to know them, their language, their culture, so that he could make the gospel plain to them. And they just didn't get it, the Sawi people. And, and until um, he was helping them make peace between the different groups, the different uh, tribes. And, and he said uh, there was no place for peace with their people unless one of the people would take their son, their child, and, and the baby would be born, and then this baby would be given to the other tribe. They called the baby a peace child. And then the other tribe, to, to receive this peace child, they would actually raise this baby. But as a gesture, they would all go by and they would touch the child. 
and he knew he had his analogy. He called it a redemptive analogy. It was something he believed that was embedded in the history of the people, the culture, just so that the gospel would be able to be communicated to them. And so he wrote this book, The Peace Child and Lords of the Earth and Eternity in Their Hearts. And he's telling these stories about redemptive analogies because God wants people from all over the world. And he's been working on getting the attention and the heart of people for many, many, many centuries all over the world so that they would understand the story that we have sung about today. When I was at Moody Bible Institute a long time ago, I was working uh, uh, as a security guard in the girls' dorm. It was a great job. And, uh, and when I got off work one night, I was hiking back across the campus about one o'clock in the morning. There wasn't anybody on campus. And I got on the elevator at Culbertson Hall and, uh, and I was shocked when the, it stopped on the second floor and the doors opened and this guy got on the elevator, dark haired guy with a missionary artifact about as tall as he was. I kind of looked at it like, what's that? He says, you probably wondered what this is. I'm like, yeah. He said, it's a drum. And he introduced himself, Don Richardson. He said he's going to be speaking in chapel the next day. And I remember exactly what he spoke about in chapel. He, he preached about the stewardship that we have to take the gifts that God's given us and use them. And if we don't use the gifts that God's given us, he'll take them away. And he'll give more gifts to those who use the gifts that they have. And he'll take gifts away from people who don't use the gifts that they had. And I remember him saying this. I was sitting up in the balcony at Torrey Gray looking down. And I can just still see the picture. I remember him saying this. So we know that God is anti-Robin Hood. Because Robin Hood, you know, he took from the rich and gave to the poor. But God, if you have, he gives you more. And so I remember that. And it's interesting how how the Lord has allowed me to come over these years to have a conversation, I hope, again with Don Richardson. A few weeks ago, I I read a story about African people. It was interesting because in the Holy Land, you've got people coming to Jerusalem in particular and to holy sites from all over the world and different languages, you know, different tribes and different tongues and different languages. Have you read that in the Bible anywhere? He said it would happen like that. This band of prejudiced, somewhat ignorant, cowardly at times, you know, pockets of ignorance in their lives, prejudice, cowardice, his followers, And then he dies and he's buried and he rises again and he fills them with his spirit. And they go around the world and gather people from every tribe and every tongue. So we're at a place where they found a first century dungeon. Now we're talking about a jail within a jail. We're talking about a hole beneath a hole. And the scriptures say there was a point in Jesus' trials where he was put into a dungeon. And so you have people from all over the world lining up to go down into a dungeon like the dungeon where Jesus suffered. And so one group at a time, we all wait our turn. They go down in this dungeon. And down in the dungeon, you hear him singing songs of reverence to Jesus Christ in their own language. And then they come quietly up, wiping tears off their face. And another group goes down in the dungeon. And then in their language, in their way, they sing songs of reverence and thanksgiving for Jesus suffering for them. One after another, it's just exactly what God said would happen. 
people from every tribe. He's been working on that for a lot longer than you and I realize. That story is a lot older than you and I realize it is. It doesn't just go back to when you were smaller. It doesn't just go back to the time when Jesus died on the cross. It goes back before you were conceived or anyone was conceived or the foundation of the world was laid, the Bible says. It's a really old, wonderful story. In your Bible, in Ephesians chapter 1, here's what it says. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. You can only pretend to understand that. Oh, theologians love to talk about this. We have books about it, and we love to have coffee, and we like to talk about this. But no one really has their mind fully wrapped around this statement. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved, the Beloved One, Jesus, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, and having made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in Him. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, having predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will." that we who first trusted in Christ should be the praise of His glory. In Him also you trusted, you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Has that happened to you? You heard this story, you trusted Him, you became a child of God, His blood was shed for you. Does that happen to you? Is that why you're here today? In Him also you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. So if you are a a child of God, born again, this story is a lot older than than you realize it is. And so I heard this story a few weeks ago that sounded like it had redemptive analogy elements to it. I'll tell it to you. There were people in the dungeon in, in the Holy Land from Africa. A whole beautiful group of people from Africa. Christians from Africa. There were Christians there from Vietnam. There, there are there are thousands of persecuted Christians in Iran and Iraq today. God is moving in Iran today. The Bible says that would happen. The, uh, there, there, was this, there was this African group, though, and this story comes from Africa. And it, it has elements of redemptive analogy. You'll be able to hear it when I tell you this. There's, there's a tribe there in, in Africa, in East Africa. And they foster intimacy from before birth. They don't, they don't consider a person's birthday the day that they celebrate. They don't even celebrate the day that they were conceived. 
The day that they celebrate is the day that their mother first thinks of them. She first thinks of the idea of them being conceived and she goes off under a tree and she sits quietly until a song comes to her heart and she sings their song. It's called their life song. And then with the father, they come together and the child is conceived. She teaches the father the life song and the father and the mother together sing the life song. And then they go into the village and they find the old women and the midwives and they teach the midwives the the life song of the child that's going to be born. And then while the child is being born, the older women of the village that come together to, to attend the birth, they sing the child's life song. And then other people in the village are taught the life song. And when the child is ever heard or taught, they gather around the child and they sing their unique, special song. And when they come to the day of their own wedding, that's the song that's sung. And on the day of their death, the people from the village gather around and they sing the the life song of the person that the mother thought of before they were ever conceived. Now, I don't know, maybe I just have a fanciful imagination, but when I heard that story, it sounded like a, a redemptive story to me. The Bible says that God sings over his redeemed And the Bible teaches very clearly that Jesus is a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. This story is an old, old story. That means Jesus Christ, has, if you are a child of God, has been singing your life song over you before before he even made the world. You have to have the help of the Holy Spirit even to believe something like that. Did you ever, some of you old gospel music people, do you, do, can you hear this song in your heart? Um, the song, when, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. You ever hear that one? When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. How can that be? How can it be that millions of the elect, the redeemed, the ones that God is bringing to himself were on the heart of God and on the mind of God the Son, Jesus, when He was dying on the cross. And even before the world was made, He was slain before the foundation of the world. It was determined in the heart of God that Jesus would be slain. And, 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 and that we were conceived in the mind of God before the foundation of the world was laid. Acts chapter 2, all over the Bible, this is the language of the Bible. Acts 2 And verse 23 says, Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken with lawless hands and crucified and put Him to death. It's kind of ominous language. Did you hear it? From God's Word? Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. The apostles were persecuted when they were, they couldn't help but tell a story after he was crucified and buried and and rose again. Of course, I'm getting ahead of myself there. You'll have to come back Sunday and we'll talk about that one more. But when Jesus was crucified and buried and rose again, they couldn't help telling the story, but they were persecuted for, they were beaten. And at one point in giving a defense in Acts chapter 4 and verse 28, they said, you know, you killed him, but you, you only did what your, what God's hand and God's purpose determined before to be done. That's what they said. 
in Acts 4.28. In Acts 15.18, it says, Known to God from eternity are all of His works. And all the Bible is consistent in saying that. In Luke 22.22, And truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom He is betrayed. It's like, Judas, you're still responsible for what you did, but it's been determined in the mind of God that this is what would happen to Jesus, that he would be betrayed and that he would die. And 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. This is common phrase in the Bible, before the foundation of the world. What, what, what am I getting at? I'm getting at this, that this is a wonderful thing to sing about and a wonderful thing to think about, the death of Christ, and a wonderful thing to base your life on because it's older than you think. This story is much older than 2,000 years. It's older than the world. It was in the heart and the mind of God in eternity. It's what the Bible says. That makes this very special. And you very special to Him. In Revelation 13 and verse 8, all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have, uh, all who dwell on the earth will worship him. This is a reference to the beast, worshiping the beast, whose names have not been written in the book of life and the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. There's this interesting reference in the Bible over and over again to the book of life. I believe this is the book wherein a person's name is written that would be saved. Continually in the book of Revelation over and over again, there's the consultation of this book. Like, is your name in the book? It's kind of synonymous with you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Your name is in this book of life. And he says the ones that are worshiping the beast are ones whose name is not in the book. And over and over again, we'll talk about that in a minute. In Luke and verse 10 and verse, uh, chapter 10 and verse 20, Jesus is talking to his disciples when they return from a little mission, mission, t- talking about, um, their ability to do miracles. And he says, this isn't the thing you should be rejoicing about. You should be rejoicing because your names are written in heaven. Luke 10, 20. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Are you doing that today? That's probably why you came. You're coming because you're saying, I can't believe that God loved me, sent his son Jesus to die for me and my sins, my sorry failures and shame and all of that. And that that went back before I was born, before I was conceived, before the world was even conceived. Jesus was slain and you were chosen before the foundation of the world, according to the scriptures. And in other words, you were on his heart and you were on his mind when he was on, his cro- on the cross and long before that. And he was singing your life song before you ever were. That God was singing your life song before you ever were. If you ever feel lonely, you ever feel unloved, you ever feel like you don't matter, if you ever feel like You've been misunderstood. If you ever feel like you don't, you don't really count. You just, you, you're just one of a of a millions of others. Well, you need to familiarize yourself with this story, because this story says that Jesus was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world, and you chosen Him before the foundation of the world. I don't pretend to understand that. I'm just delivering the news to you. A farmer in Indiana, shepherd, having trouble because his neighbors had, had dogs 
than a dog's would kill a sheep. And traditionally, what sheep raiser people do is they, they put a barbed wire or I've known some that just, they would defend their, it's their livelihood after all, so they would defend their livelihood with guns. They would, they would kill the neighbor dogs. And this particular shepherd had an idea that nobody else had had before. He visited the neighbors with a gift. The gift that he gave the neighbors was a, was a little lamb. So each of the neighbor children was given the gift of a little lamb And then when the neighbor children had their own little lamb to raise, they pinned up their own dogs. God, our Father, sent a lamb to make peace with us, a peace child, Jesus, who died for us. And this happened long before the foundation of the world. Jesus is God's peace child and the lamb of God. Do you believe that? You've been on his mind since the foundation of the world. You've been on his heart since the foundation of the world. He's continually arranged the circumstances of your life for your good and his glory. He cares about you more than anybody else you know has ever cared about you. He was there long before you ever came into being. He will be there with you all of your life. He'll watch over you and love you. If there's something you don't understand... There will come a day he'll either explain it to you or when you see him, it won't matter anymore to you. The Bible says in Revelation 4 and verse 11, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor power. Why? Because you created everything. You created everything. And by your will, they exist and are created. Multitudes from every tongue and every nation will sing before the Lamb because He created them. But then in the next chapter, it's almost the exact same song, but it's a different reason for singing. And you know what it is? In that chapter 4, we're singing because you're worthy, because you created everything, and you were before everything, and you sustain everything, and everything gets its life from you. So that's something to sing about. But in the next chapter, it's the same song, but the reason is different. You know what it is? Because you were slain before the foundation of the earth. And you are worthy to take the scroll and open the seal that you were slain. And you've redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. This is a big deal. And it goes back a long time ago. And it will never end. And today we are a part of it because of His kindness and mercy and grace reaching down into the sewer of our life and, and, and rescuing us for Himself. And so here you have it. He who overcomes will be clothed in white raiments. I will, uh, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. Revelation 3, 13 and verse 8. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have, have not been written in the book of the life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, worshiping again the beast. Revelation 17 and verse 8. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. The references to the book of life are really interesting and they would bear out some study. But there are a couple things that just kind of pop out to me. They just kind of come out of that to me. And that is in reference to the, 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 the book of life, the names written from the foundation of the world, the lambs slain from the foundation of the world. You don't have to even understand all that. You just burst into song is what you do. 
You sing about that. You rejoice. You thank God. Revelation 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. The books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to their works. I assume things written in the book. Uh, record of their sin. Is your name in the book today? Are you confident that your name is in the book of life today? Revelation 21, verse 27, There shall by no means enter into it anything that defiles or causes an abomination, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So there's a book in which the elect of God have had their names written before the world began. The book is the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, the slain Lamb's book of life. He is on our minds this afternoon because... We've been on his mind for a very, very long time. And I'm sure that you would join me in agreement that by God's grace and work and power in our lives, he's going to be on our heart throughout all of eternity. He's going to be on our mind throughout all eternity. He's going to be the center place of our lives throughout all eternity. And why is that? Because we've been on his mind for a long time long time. So when you survey the wondrous cross, that's something for you to think about.